Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Todd Lights, public address announcer for your Los Angeles Dodgers. And now, it's time for the Bleed Los Podcast with your hosts Alonso and Juan. And Alicia Del Valle. With the baby-faced gimmick in the sky, Roger. Bienvenidos, señoras y señores, to the Bleed Los Podcast. This is a live episode of the Bleed Los Podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet online is the fastest, it's the easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, events, with, and they're the first to market odds and lines. So find reviews and news for every league, that's Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information, from live in-game betting, props, and futures. So head to BetOnline today, or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet, okay? Use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V-50, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Okay, so we're live in the Canesada, and as you can see, uh, right now you're probably just looking at Babyface, for those of you who are watching on the live. Uh, we have some people running late, Alonzo's running late, and Alicia's running late, so uh, we're going to start the show, because I know that you guys are eagerly want to get into this. So, Babyface, what were the two hottest topics on Twitter this week uh, about the Doyers? Uh, other than, uh, I'll give you the two, in my opinion. One was David Vesey breaking his wrists in two parts and then breaking six ribs going down a slide in, in Milwaukee. It seems like anybody that had anything to do with Dodgers uh, Twitter, all they were doing was just tweeting about Dave Vesey. Now, that must be a very dangerous slide, or Bernie the Brewer has a lot of padding. Uh, I mean, how he got that hurt, but the fact that the Dodger players roasted him immediately. I don't know if you saw the picture. They did the uh, the chalk outline of Dave S.A. out in Milwaukee. There's a lot of chalk outlines on the Dodgers in the past few years. Uh, A.J. Pollock had a chalk outline. And then the famous uh, Gavin Lux uh, chalk outline out in the outfield. What, do you, what did you think about the David Vesse thing? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean that's Vesse, right? I mean... At first, I was a little surprised too because I saw I saw when the Dodgers uh, tweeted about it or whatever, and I saw that he went down, he's going, and he landed, and then I'm like, wait, how did he get hurt? It looked like he, you know, mounted, dismounted off, you know, perfectly fine, and then he's like, he even got off, and he's like, I don't think I'm doing that again, and somehow he ends up doing it again, and when he comes off, he just like looked like he turned and he just went straight into that wall, and like. It was like, oh, my gosh. So my question is this, is, you know, he was filling in for Kirsten. Were they going to make Kirsten go down that slide? Or it was just because Vasse was there? I think I think it was something uh, he wanted to do. I was watching the when they when they showed him yesterday with uh, with Joe Davis. They were saying that he was talking about that for like three days. Like he he was going to go down that slide and he was going to go down that slide. And 
he finally did it. It was probably on his bucket list and something he wanted to do. And, you know, he he did a, something we won't forget now every time that we think about Vasse and, and Milwaukee. That's right. And for those of you that are joining us on the live, welcome. Make sure you throw in your comments. We'll go ahead and, and read some of them. Uh, Jesus, thanks for listening and watching. And Jesus said it. He's already... David Vasse is already on a RotoWare shirt. I mean, these guys do not waste any time. I saw the shirt, Jesus, uh, of Vasse sliding in easy. Uh, our boy Simeon watching the show from Jack in the Box because he's getting his free Jumbo Jack because we all know what that means. That means the Dodgers struck out 10 hitters in Milwaukee. So I, I talked about what were the most popular topics on Twitter this week. I, I kidded around with the David Vasse. But the one that's really hot, the one that's got Dodger fans super emotional, and in particular, I I mean, the so-called experts like Blake Harris came strong, and that's uh, the Craig Kimbrell situation. Okay, what what happened with Kimbrell? I haven't I haven't heard that one. All right, well let's let's get into it. So Blake Harris, who's a, a Dodger insider, he tweeted that Craig Kimbrell should be nowhere near the ninth inning. He even went as far as to say that he is the, the the Dodgers' probably 14th, 15th best reliever. I, I mean, those are strong words, I and, and I get it. He has not been pitching well. Uh, so everyone hates Craig Kimbrell. I think our, our friend of the carne asada, Jorge Castillo, said it best. The Dodgers have, I, I, I wish I was this smart that I could come to this realization, but I am not. So I'm going to steal this from Jorge Castillo. So for all of you guys watching and listening, this is the famous phrase, no pasa nada. No pasa nada because it is the middle of August, okay? the Do- Jorge Castillo basically said the Dodgers are up 17. Well, they were up 17. They're up right now 16 and a half. But they got a pretty comfortable lead in the division, okay? It's the middle of August. I think the Dodgers are probably using this now, not just for Craig Kimbrell, but for everybody, an opportunity to get people work and try to get those people who are struggling, try to get them right. Now, the thing with Kimbrell, and and this is what I'm looking at, Babyface, and I'm curious to see if you see the same thing. What is very frustrating to me, what it seems like, what I see the most with Kimbrell is he's not putting hitters away. How many times has he come in to pitch in the ninth inning, he gets two outs, and then all of a sudden there's runners on base. And all of a sudden runs start scoring and come coming in after two outs, after two outs. And it's because he can't seem to put those hitters away. Now, there's sometimes where his pitches have a lot of movement, the, that game in, in Milwaukee the, where they lost in extra innings, I get it. I, I mean, look, he already started with a runner in, on second base, so he's already at a disadvantage. But if you look at it, there really wasn't that much hard contact. I think the thing that killed him was that walk again, and that's because he can't put hitters away right now. It almost seems, and he talks about it, he doesn't have control. I don't think he knows where that ball's going to end up. And then it was a bloop single that did him in. So there wasn't really any hard contact in them. So when Dave Roberts, after the game, when they asked him the question that he's going to get now until the end of the season, 
is Craig Kimbrell still your closer? And Dave Roberts is like, look, I thought he was pitching pretty well. Yeah, the walk is what hurt him, but there wasn't any hard contact on there. I think the Dodgers are going to continue to push him out there and hope he finds something. I know the thing is going to be like Juan, where, I mean, there's only a month and a half left in the season. If he hasn't figured it out now, what makes you think he's going to figure it out? Well, you know, things change, but I don't have a problem because it's the middle of August with you continuing to send Craig Kimbrell out there because you got a, such a huge lead in the division. If you didn't have such a big lead in the division, this is a different story. It's a different conversation. What are you seeing with Craig Kimbrell, babyface? Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with what Castillo said. Yes, it's frustrating for fans, and fans are going to get pissed off, and fans are going to get annoyed if he comes in and blows, blows leads and blows games. But yes, it is the middle of August. Dodgers are up 17 games what five six games up for the best record in the league um so until until that gets closer i mean i don't know i don't even know if they're trying to get the best record i would assume that they do want to get that best record unless that shrinks down to like one game or tied then maybe we won't see kimbrough in there but they're going to run him out there try and give this guy reps trying to get this guy you know just um confidence going out there to get outs and if if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But people are concerned that we're going to see Kimbrough in the playoffs. We're not going to see Kimbrough in the playoffs if he's still pitching like that. They will move him. They will use somebody else. They'll piece it together like they did in 2020. You know, they had Julio. This year will be someone could be Trinan. You know, it could be Phillips. It could be somebody else. But they're going to give him that long leash until it gets, you know, too tight for them standing-wise, and I don't think that's going to happen. Like I said, I don't think it's going to happen. So they're going to give him that long leash. Perfect example, Max Muncy. Yeah. Everybody was killing Max Muncy through July. Get this guy out of there. Get this guy out of there. He's, he's, hurt, he's killing us. Truth of the matter, he wasn't hurting the team. The team kept winning. Doc kept running him out there. Let him find his swing. Let him find his swing. In August, six home runs, 13 RBIs. He's hitting like 360, right? So hopefully that continues to continue going forward but doc's going to give him that leash until he tries to figure something out and if time runs out then things will change you know i i agree with you 100 percent. i you brought something up and that is having the best record uh and again i can't stress enough to you guys the new playoff format where six teams are getting into the playoffs and the top two teams in each league are going to have a bye so right now, the Dodgers have the best record in the National League. So they would have a bye in that first round. They have, I believe, last I checked, about a five- to a six-game lead on the New York Metropolitans. Do you think it's that important for the Dodgers to have the best record in the league? Because even if they have the second-best record in the league, they're still going to get a bye. And if, they, if the Mets end up winning the division, if they have the second-best record, they're probably looking at... The Cardinals in the second round, the Cardinals or the Phillies. So would you rather do that, face the Cardinals or the Phillies in the second round and avoid having to play either the Bravos or the or the Padres? I, I, I don't I, I haven't given it much thought in terms of how important is seating for the Dodgers. Yeah. I saw there was a new update, like if the season ended like a couple days ago, like things kind of changed a little bit because the Padres are now in the third wild card spot. 
So originally, they, when they were in the second, like if they, you know, Dodgers could potentially face them in, in the DS, but right now if they're in the third, they wouldn't see them because they'd move over to the other side of the bracket, right? Right. So, so right now the way it looks, it was like they faced like uh, was it the Cardinals or or Brewers? I think it was right. Well, no, I mean the Brewers are outside looking in right now. Oh, the Brewers. Okay, it's the, Brewers the Cardinals. Still, okay. It's the Cardinals and the Phillies. The Cardinals, Cardinals have and the Phillies, three, yeah, yeah. and the Phillies are the are the. Um, yeah, so they, so they would face the five. Win, the, the, the winner, the winner of the that, five. and then and then potentially face like the Mets or something, right? In the, in the NLCS. So yeah, I mean, I mean, you, it doesn't matter, right? You got you got to go through whoever's in front of you, right? So it's and that's I mean, obviously, you know, if you want to avoid the Mets as long as you can, I mean, because you're going to be up against you know, you know, Degrom, Scherzer, as long as they, those guys stay healthy. I mean, that's. And we kind of saw it, you know, that's, that's what's dangerous in the playoffs, right? Always we talk about pitching, right? And the Dodgers kind of saw that on this road trip. Just when yeah. you have an elite pitcher, what happens? He shuts you down. I mean, in Kansas City, right? Kansas City's not a very good team. On Sunday, they got shut down, right? And then again today, they got pretty much shut down by an elite pitcher, right? So that's, that's the scary thing. No, you, I mean, you're exactly right. Yeah, I mean, you're leading me to where I want to go next because I think a perfect example of that was what happened today. There's a good chance that you're going to go into the playoffs and you're going to have a matchup like we saw today where it was Corbin Burns against Andrew Heaney. Now, Andrew Heaney has had an up-and-down season down because of the injuries that he's had, but when he has been healthy, he has pitched really well. Today, he was victim of the home run ball. I mean, McCutcheon took him down twice, took him out twice. Hunter Renfro took him out. So that's concerning to me only. I won't say it's concerning what it is. It, it caught my attention because well, we he, all he gave knew. Up, he gave up those three home runs and, I mean, limited them innings, but he had only given up one coming into the game. Well, that's my point is we all know his history with the home run ball. Like last year, he gave up home runs at like a historic rate. And we don't, you know... Yeah, we don't want to see that Andrew Heaney, right? So if all of a sudden he starts getting into some bad habits and the home run ball starts coming back and haunting him, what concerns me is you're going to have a matchup where you're going to see Max Scherzer against Andrew Heaney, Jacob Grom against Andrew Heaney. I mean, the way you look at it now with the Dodgers starting rotation and you, you Dodger fans, you guys better pray that we, these guys stay healthy for the rest of the season. Because I don't know if you can expect anything from Kershaw. I know we all think we're hearing good signs that his back is better and that he's going to have enough time to come back and play in the playoffs. That's expecting a lot. You got, we're expecting a lot from Dustin May and we haven't even seen him pitch yet. He's going to pitch on Saturday, but the Dodgers are expecting a lot from guys that are coming back from injury. So here's the thing. You're going to go in the playoffs, and right now you got, you're going to go in there with Julio, Gonsolin, Tyler Anderson, Heaney, and Dustin May. Okay? You got those five guys. Meanwhile, the Mets are going to be able to throw Scherzer and DeGrom, one of those guys, twice in a series. 
So that, that, that to me is exactly what you're talking about right now. Now, this is no longer a, hey, we're worried about the season. We're, we're worried about the division. The division is out of reach. Okay, we all know that. We're, we're, this is not about the division. This is about what the Dodgers are going to do in the playoffs. And this is why we're going to start hearing this very soon. If the Dodgers don't win the World Series this year, this is what you're going to hear. You're going to hear that the Dodgers are a regular season team. They're built for the regular season. The depth is great in the regular season, but in the postseason when it's a sprint, the depth doesn't do anything for you. So these injuries, the fact that Walker, we haven't even talked about the fact that Walker Bueller is now done for the season. So I know I, we had heard some of those theories that, hey, well, Walker Bueller can come back and maybe he could be your closer. We can pitch Walker Bueller in relief. He can give us a couple of innings, right? That's not an option anymore. So don't now, for, don't forget Danny Duffy, right, and then yeah, shouts out to Danny Duffy, who unfortunately looks like uh, he's not going to make it this season. So for those of you who are unaware who Danny Duffy is, the Dodgers had signed him in the off season. He was already hurt in the off season, and he was basically rehabbing with the Dodgers the whole season. And finally, Dave Roberts confirmed. I think what everyone knew is that Danny Duffy's not going to pitch for the Dodgers this season. So again, you guys better hope. That nothing happens to Urias, nothing happens to Tyler Anderson, and nothing happens to Gonsolin. Enjoy the rest of the season. Enjoy the rest of the regular season because what the Dodgers are doing is fantastic. You get to watch a Dodger game, and there's a very good chance they're going to win that game. Okay? Enjoy that. I in no way want to demean what the Dodgers have accomplished during the regular season. But it's stuff like this that now starts to get my stress going for the postseason when I see what the matchups are going to be. When there is an elite pitcher that goes ahead and shuts down, and I'm one of those guys that firmly believes that good pitching beats good hitting. Great pitching beats great hitting. So, And that's what they're going to see in the playoffs. They're not going to be beating up on a fourth or a fifth starter. They're going to be seeing guys... In the case of the Mets, they're A and they're 1A guys. Max Fried has history against the Dodgers. He's had some success against the Dodgers. The Dodgers have been able to get to him. So it's it's one of those things where it's now starting to creep up. And now you got to wonder, you know, baseball is a game of streaks. The Dodgers went through that streak where they couldn't lose a game. And now, what is it? They've lost three out of their last five. And now they're going to go, and by the way, uh, they're going to be welcoming Sandy Alcantara and the Fighting Fish this weekend. So um, I'll be at the game, Sandy Alcantara, and I, that game makes me very, very nervous. Don't forget uh, Donnie Baseball is coming back, too, your favorite. Yeah, no, I, I, no don't worry. I, have, uh, I am not looking forward to seeing Donnie Baseball back for some reason whenever he comes back. To Dodger Stadium, he he knows how to manage, but when he puts on a Dodgers uniform, he has no idea how to manage. So, yeah, that's one of those things. Okay, before we segue, there there's a couple of other topics because you mentioned there that we're, I agree with you that we're not going to see Kimbrel in the playoffs if he continues to pitch like this. And we've seen proof of this because you can go back to 2020 when the Dodgers won the World Series. That's what happened with Jansen. Jansen was shaky. He wasn't, they got to the point where they no longer had confidence in him to close out games and they went to Julio. I fully expect that same game plan to go into effect. And that is with Kimbrel 
you know, if Kimbrell is not pitching well, if Kimbrell is not closing out games, if they don't have confidence that he can close out games, I'm sure they're going to go to someone else. Now, being that we still haven't seen what Blake Trinan, I know Blake Trinan probably we're going to see him in September. He's 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 had some rehab appearances down in the minor leagues. And Bruce Dargratterall is coming back. So you're going to have options when it comes to closing out those games. So, I, again, everybody is hoping that Blake Trinan comes back looking like the Blake Trinan of a couple of years, of what we've seen the last few years. I, again, this is a guy coming back from injury. I, I tell everybody to just calmate, calmate. Let's, let's see how he goes. Let's see how he looks the whole month of September. Okay, which I'm sure that's what the Dodgers are going to do because you want you you want to see that. So you have Bruce Dar, you have those options. Let me ask you right now, babyface, if Kimbrel doesn't turn things around, and it is obvious that you cannot pitch him in the ninth inning, who do you think the Dodgers turn to in that bullpen to be the closer? I mean, there's a lot of talk for one uh, Evan Phillips, right? I mean, what? He's been one run, last 30 appearances. So, you know, we can try Phillips. Um, you know, there's always a talk for Blake. But I, I like Blake the way they've used him, where he comes in and puts out the fire wherever that is. Yeah. That's the sixth, seventh, eighth. And when he comes in and just, when you need a, shut, a shutdown inning, that's how they've used Blake. And that's, that's kind of how they've been using Phillips as of late, if you notice. Yeah. He's come in, bases loaded, no outs. And he gets them out of that jam. So, you know, it's going to be one of those guys, I think. And probably maybe Bruzdar. You know, if, if Bruzdar is feeling good, his pitches are moving, you know, he could have him close out stuff. So I think it's going to be one of those guys that's going to end up, you know, closing out games in the playoffs. Absolutely. And, and Jesus uh, chimes in. You're right, Jesus. I don't know. I know Dodger fans don't have any confidence in Kimbrell right now. And I get that. Kimbrell may be done. He may be done. But let me just put this out to you, Jesus. I got a couple of questions for you. What if all of a sudden, like the same thing that we saw with Max Muncy, where all of a sudden Max Muncy starts hitting? I know Max Muncy is still hitting under 20, uh, 200. Okay, but he raised his batting average in the last two weeks, 20 points. For you to raise your batting average that uh, that high... In such a short period of time, that means you were really, really playing well. What if come if Kimbrel and I know we haven't seen it, and there's a chance that this isn't going to happen. But what if now in the next couple of weeks, Kimbrel starts having one, two, three innings? What if Kimbrel is more efficient? What if he starts pitching? Will that change your mind? And if that's not the case, Jesus, you tell us who do you think should be closing games for the Dodgers? You know, I mean, I think Evan is, I, I, I'm sure Evan is on the top of the list for a lot of people. I, 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 I uh-oh, you, you, you guys know what that means. Somebody open the gate. Let's see who's joining us on the Canesada. Let me go, let me, let me go check the door. Hold on. And stopping by the Canesada for a few minutes, uh, current Los Angeles Dodger relief pitcher, uh, and, and local savage is what we're going to call him because he's underrated. Evan Phillips. Evan, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. No, thank you. We, we appreciate the time. I wanted to start with that. You have flown so far under the radar 
that it's borderline criminal because you've been so lights out as well. How how have you been able to maintain just that incognito, just just kind of resume without really even ruffling anyone's feathers? You know, I think I'm a relative relatively unassuming guy. I don't think I carry like a a big personality out there on the mound or anything. So maybe it has something to do with that. But you know, I've just really been taking the day by day approach, just continuing to try to build you know upon each outing and uh it's been carrying one into another so it's been a great ride so far but still hoping to finish strong yeah absolutely and uh and to say the least i mean right now you're uh you're 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 doing okay you have a 1.34 era and you're out here just killing it so so with that said though you know there it's been with a little bit adversity right you you wind up with the Dodgers after, uh, you know, being released uh, by uh, by the Orioles and also by the Tampa Bay Rays. What was it with the Dodgers that's just kind of been able to get the best out of Evan Phillips, the Phillips that we see now, Evan Phillips we see now? You know, I think the Dodgers really just, uh, they set me on to you know, some things on the mound that I wasn't really, uh, didn't really have the guidance to, you know, with some of the other teams I've been with. And I think a lot of that started with, you know, just uh, throwing my slider a lot more. I have a pretty unique slider and um, being able to, they've been challenging me to throw that, you know, in the zone and out of the zone. And, and really uh, I'm throwing it now more than I've ever thrown in my career. And then, you know, moving into this season where we added a cutter and also a sinker. So uh, just a little bit more unpredictability with the hitters. And then, uh, you know, they really, the biggest thing is they challenged me to just go compete every single day and continue to buy into what the plan is. And, um, you know, things have been really great, you know, so far. It's been about a full year now since I've been with the Dodgers, and it's just been it's been everything I could have asked for. Well, with that, Alicia has some congratulations for you. Yeah. Go ahead, Alicia. We were just discussing. It's your anniversary, Evan. Happy anniversary on being with the Dodgers almost a year. And you were just talking dirty to Alonso because he loves the pitching talk. Anything about pitching, sliders, like you. But I want to talk a little bit about you being with the Dodgers, you know, here at Bleed Los Podcast, we are the only Latino podcast talking about the Dodgers and L.A. and our culture. What are you loving? What's your favorite thing about playing with the organization, about being in Los Angeles? I want to know about a little bit about your lifestyle behind the scenes. Yeah, sure. You know, Los Angeles is it's totally different than, you know, what I had growing up. I'm from the East Coast, you know, small town outside of Raleigh, North Carolina. So, you know, Los Angeles brings, you know, a bunch of different culture, a bunch of different, uh, you know, experiences my wife and I have been able to do together. So it's been one wild journey. My favorite thing about being with the Dodgers is definitely Dodger Stadium. You know, it's it's so unique and unlike any other. And just to see the fans roll in there every single game to cheer us on, you know, doesn't matter if it's a Monday night, Saturday night, you know, Giants are in town or whoever, it doesn't matter. Um, Dodgers fans always show up and pull for their team. I love that. I love that. Right. It doesn't every night feel like a sellout. Um, that's oh, yeah, it. Absolutely. Right. I love it. Thank you for that. What about the mariachis? What's your opinion? Are you liking the mariachis? Cause we all, this is something we ask all of our guests. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny because I've, I've become used to it at this point. I, I love it. I really enjoy it, but it's really fun to see how other teams react to it. Cause I think it probably catches them off guard, you know, to see the mariachis out there in the outfield. So, I enjoy it, and you know, I, every time they come on the big screen and they start playing, we all get up and cheer them on. And it's to watch the fans react and stuff. It's it's so enjoyable for everybody. Hey Evan, uh, real quick, uh, sorry to cut you off. 
could you put your AirPods back in the case and then take them out? Because they're they're being staticky. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. The one time that we have technical difficulties. I the one know. time. <laughs> How's that? Uh, uh, say something again. I'm sorry. Say something. Ah, there we go. There we go. There <laughs> we go. Thank you. Sorry about that. No, it's okay. It's totally fine. Yeah, you're a good sport. Thank you, Evan. And so, sure. what was that about the mariachis being like a secret weapon against other teams? <laughs> yeah, you know, I think it's super unique because the other teams probably don't anticipate to see that coming into Dodger Stadium. And then all of a sudden they start playing, you know, in the second inning and then throughout the rest of the game. And I think they probably really enjoy it because I'm telling you, it's it's unique. I don't think any other team does that. So for, you know, for the opponents to come in and, and see a little bit of, you know, the how unique Dodger Stadium can be, I think it's super special. I love it. Juan, are you satisfied with that answer? <laughs> I'm, I, I'm more satisfied with that answer than Walker. Walker Bueller, so far, Evan, we've talked to Muncie, we've talked to Justin Turner. Everybody's like you. Everybody loves the mariachi. Walker, I guess maybe Walker's just the only one who's bluntly honest and was just like, hey, look, I grew up in Kentucky. I'm not I'm not used to it, okay, but right. I appreciate that. But if you could, uh, you know, get on Walker's case about that, I would appreciate that. Yeah, I might have to. That's unbelievable. <laughs> so uh, let, me, let me ask you this, Evan. How how active are you on social media? Are you aware of everything that's going on and being said about you? Uh, you know, I don't really dig too much into what's being said about me personally. Um, you know, I do try to have a decent reach through Instagram and Twitter. That way I can interact with some fans. But, you know, I try to just stay level-headed because, you know, all, all the outside noise and any external factor, you know, it's really has no um, no meaning towards, you know, what I'm doing on the mound and what's ahead of us for the, as a team. So did your Twitter or Instagram blow up last night because of the story Joe Davis told about your wife's sweater? Because all of a sudden, everyone wants to know what happened with this sweater. Where is this sweater? Did you wake up to that this morning? Yeah, so my wife and I were actually talking about that last night. And what's so interesting is that, you know, when Fabian asked me about, you know, that, that journey, that sweater, that story about the sweater just popped into my mind. But I tell you, I haven't thought about that sweater and doing that and walking through the stadium since it happened. And neither had my wife. Like That story had completely left us. So for whatever reason, it popped back up into my mind and I you know, reminded my wife about it. And we never found the sweater, is truth be told. So Lawson found, didn't have it. You know, it was a, like a nice like Lululemon sweater or something. And I think she left it in the seat. So we tried to like go back down to the section. Maybe, you know, it fell underneath, but unfortunately Lawson found didn't have it. No one, you know, reported it missing or anything. So unfortunately we just cut our losses with the sweater. That was, I mean, Nomar put it out there. What happened to the sweater? And so for all our listeners out there who desperately wanted to know what happened to the sweater, there it was, it was never found. But Evan, tell me the truth. How pissed were you at your wife for making you go back? Because this was at Target Field, right? The next oh, yeah. day, going yeah. through all the stands looking for that sweater. You know, I wasn't really upset about it. it was, I was more upset about losing the sweater that we had just purchased, you know, because now <laughs> yeah. she's going to need a new one. You know, yeah. it's, a little, it's a little chilly in Minnesota. I don't care if it's, you know, midsummer. Uh, so that was more of the frustration. But fortunately, you know, the hotel we were staying at was right across the street. We were on our way back from lunch. So we were like, all right, you know, let's just stop through, look through Lost and Found, see if we can find it. But 
it was pretty surreal to like, you know, watch BP happen from, you know, the concourse. I don't think I've done that as a professional. So that was definitely an interesting and, you know, somewhat of a, an awkward feeling knowing my position, you know, at that time was, you know, on waivers and my, you know, what was next for me was definitely up in the air. So you mentioned you grew up in North Carolina or you're from North Carolina. I was not aware when I went to Baltimore, how close Baltimore is to the Mason Dixon line. I, I just assumed it was, you know, definitely East Coast. So the Orioles were your team growing up, right? That's who you yes. rooted for? So, yeah, I was, I was born in Maryland. So in that same story that you talked about, uh, that Fabian, a friend of the Cognizana, interviewed you, you used to imitate Cal Ripken. I, I was a huge Cal Ripken fan. I know out here in the West Coast, but I just love Ripken because of the fact that that guy would show up every day. It is obvious that no one's going to touch that record. So I have two questions for you. One, where were you when Ripken broke Lou Gehrig's consecutive games played streak? And two, is Freddie Freeman trying to to break that record? I mean, the, the guy just won't take a game off. Yeah, you know, I don't know if Freddie has like an open goal to, to reach that mark, but what Freddie does, you know, day in and day out, uh, I've heard him talk about it many times that, he says his job is to play baseball, so that's what he intends to do. And I think it's so um, it's wonderful to have a teammate that that cares that much about being on the field and producing every single day. You know, especially in this modern era where you know days off are, are calculated and you know workloads are calculated. So it's hard to convince you know your manager or the front office to let you play every single game. But you know, hats off to him for giving it a try. And um, you know, when it comes to Cal Ripken breaking the streak. I was going to say I was a little too young to appreciate how good he was as a ball player. He was like an idol in my eyes, like someone I knew, you know, wore number eight for the Baltimore Orioles and, and played shortstop. But honestly, I don't remember where I was when he broke the streak. I would imagine my dad sat me down in front of the TV and we watched it. But um, you know, I can't give you too many more details than that. I, the only the only reason I ask it is because I know exactly where I was because my compadre and I after school made it a point to go to the pizza place to watch Ripken break this record because we were just huge baseball fans. Alonzo, Alicia, awesome. do you guys remember where you guys were when that happened? I do not. I, uh, I'm, I sorry, I'm sorry, Alonzo. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 guess, I guess I'm the only Cal Ripken fan over here, and that's why it was important for me. But, but in, in my humble defense, I'm significantly younger than you, so that's that's probably why. There we go. I threw that one up there. Go yeah, ahead, you ageist. Go ahead, ageist. I mean, I mean, and also in Evan's defense, he's also significantly younger than me, so it's a, it's, it's a push, Juan. Don't take it so personal. <laughs> I'm just trying to show go. Cal Ripken love, guys. That's all, you know. Come on. <laughs> well, and, and there's somebody else that I think we should that we should give love to because I feel like he's been a little unfairly treated too. David Price, who has had a huge impact with everyone out in that bullpen. As you know, the bullpen, in my opinion, is the place to hang out during a game because uh because it's just where all the action is. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of seed football still going on out there. But anyway, David Price, how important has he been for this core of the bullpen? That that's had kind of its, it, you know, there's the consistent points, but also ups and downs as, as as everyone kind of threw out in a microcosm yesterday. How important has David been? Yeah, you know, David, he's just the kind of guy that down in the bullpen, he he meshes well with everybody. He's he's there for guidance. He's there, you know, as a friend. He's there if you need to talk to him about anything. And uh, you know, we we really couldn't ask for a better, you know, one a role model down there, but two, you know, a leader, someone to lead some of the younger guys down there, and. Uh, 
you know, he's definitely towards, you know, the later end of his career, but he would tell you that he still loves to go out there and compete. He still loves to go out there and help the team win. And I think, uh, you know, it's really you know so valuable for this team to have a piece that can step in and fill a role when we need him to. Absolutely. And I, I mean, we here at the Bleed Loss Podcast, we're also about giving people flowers. David, David Price deserves his flowers. You know, he's, he's one of the best of this era. And, and I feel like that kind of flies under the radar too. So, so kudos to David. But before we set you loose, we have a very important question. Uh, are you a flour or a corn tortilla guy? I do both, you know, so my wife and I, we do, we do taco Tuesday every, every single week when we go back home for the off season and you know, I mix it up because you, you can do tacos so many different ways. So whether like we tried to do, like, you know, like local street tacos one night and then we do, you know, you're, you're more so Americanized versions and whatnot, but my wife really likes the corn and I will say I prefer flour, but I don't really have a strong feeling either way. I do enjoy both in just different circumstances. Juan. Wow, that that's a civil war right there in the Phillips household. <laughs> because I have to say, your wife is a genius because she knows not to pick the oppressor's tortilla. Evan, you just yeah. went the oppressor's tortilla. But you know what? I trust your opinion in coffee. I hear you are a coffee okay. connoisseur. Is is that more your uh, up your alley? Yeah, definitely. You know, I'm definitely no no coffee snob by any means, but I, I just really enjoy it. I've enjoyed you know um, tasting different flavors and. Yeah, my palate's really grown in that way. So kind of like some people enjoy wine or, you know, whiskeys, you know, coffee is definitely my thing. I'm not a coffee guy, Evan, but I will tell you this. Pete's Coffee has a, what's the the Cuban coffee? What's the coffee that the Cubans drink? Uh, Cafe, how do you say it? Bustelo. Cafe Bustelo. Is that what it is? They have espresso. I think it might be an espresso. Yeah, that's the only coffee I'll drink. It's they have something. It's called the Cuban something that Pete's has. And that's the only thing I'll drink. What other coffee could I drink that would turn me into a caffeine head? Because the only thing worse than a crackhead is a caffeine head, in my opinion. So convert me over to a caffeine head, Evan. You know, I think you could, in, in Los Angeles, there's a few places called, it's actually called Phil's. So Pete's versus Phil's. And I think okay. Phil's is based out of the Bay Area. But they have a, a ton of different, you know, um, coffee bean blends that you'll probably enjoy because they're a bit more flavorful, in my opinion. They're not super strong, you know, per se. But you could go there, and I would suggest, like, the Jacob's Wonder Bar from Phil's. I think it's like a, a nutty, chocolatey coffee. and uh, But it's not, like, sweet or anything. So you still get the full, robust flavor of coffee, but it's just a little hint, you know, of some flavor. I think you'd enjoy that. Yeah. I think we might have to have a new segment on the show, right, Alicia, <laughs> where we, we do coffee talk? Wait, wait, wait. But do you pumpkin spice? Are you one of those, Evan? Because that's like a you know, thing, right? Like every- oh, boy. Yeah. oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know, I, don't, I don't necessarily, like, discriminate against, like, the pumpkin spice lattes, you know, the mocha drinkers, the frappuccinos. Like, there's a place for all of it. If you, people get your caffeine however you need to. That's a okay. very diplomatic answer. And just to clarify for everybody, I found my order at Pete's. It's a Havana cappuccino. That's oh, okay. the only coffee that actually tastes good to me and that I'll drink. The Havana cappuccino at Pete's. That's your drink. As a, uh, as a as a Toolies man myself, uh, I uh, I appreciate the, uh, the the bean talk. That was uh, Evan Phillips with uh, Coffee in Cars with Relief Pictures. Uh, <laughs> if you're not following him, go give him a follow, Evan underscore Phillips 33. I'm going to go do that on Instagram. Go give him a follow. And, uh, and Evan, 
Thank you so much for stopping by for a few minutes. Thank you, Evan. And, uh, and hopefully we can do it again. But regardless, best of luck the rest of the way and, uh, and keep killing it quietly, of course. Right. Of course, guys. Thank, Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> Thanks, Evan. Thank you, Evan. And I, I just want to thank uh, Alonso and uh, Alicia for coming in for that interview and then leaving. Babyface, you're on mute. You're on mute. I can't hear you. We have, we have another surprise. What's that? Hey! <laughs> there she is! I made it! <laughs> Alicia's back on the show. So for those of you tuning in 40 minutes into the episode, don't worry, you haven't missed anything. So, all right, now that Alicia's here, I, I wanted to start off the show this way, but now let's go ahead and just get into it. So we want to thank our friend of the carne asada, Gabriel Iglesias. Fluffy invited us to the WrestleMania 39 launch party last week, and that's why we didn't have a live show. We were at the WrestleMania 39 launch party. I'm just saying that so you guys all feel bad and feel jealous that you couldn't participate in the party. But I wanted to ask Alicia, Alicia, that was your first live wrestling event, right? Or have you been to one before? I've not been to a wrestling event. Um, I was very excited because I'm learning a lot more being around you guys. But just the energy, I mean, it was a party, right? So if I were to take just that energy and the excitement from the fans and the performers, um, and I guess it's multiplied by a hundred at an actual event. I'm, I want to go, like, I want to go to a WrestleMania and it's coming in April. Is that right. so far? April? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. I'm Roger uh, Babyface has been sending me videos. I just learned about <laughs> uh, triple H and suck it. Like I didn't know, <laughs> you know, growing up, I would see boys doing the suck it thing. And I just thought like, I didn't know or care, but now it makes sense, right? What that, like, that this thing is like, I don't know, like I, I can't do it, I'm <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, I, I, I got excited. I had such a good time. It was so cool. I mean, if you all could have seen Juan's face, he was so happy. <laughs> Does your cheeks hurt? Do your cheeks hurt from smiling so much, Juan? You know, it was funny because Alicia kept pointing at me going, look how happy he is. Look how, you know, part of me was just that, you know, it was a lot of fun for me, but also the fact that we are slowly corrupting Alicia into becoming a wrestling fan. I take a lot of joy in that because Alicia will send me now wrestling memes and it's like, and it's voluntary. I'm not asking her to send me wrestling means. It's like she's she wished Hulk Hogan a happy birthday. I mean, <laughs> I, you guys all know I have no, there is no love loss between me and the pukester. But yeah. Alicia's like, hey, it's Hulk Hogan's birthday. So, well, it's also because Fluffy, uh, he likes Hulk Hogan. So I'm staying neutral. I'm gonna be neutral. You know, um, someone told me to. Um, I'm getting messages now about wrestling. See? So I'm, I'm supposed to tell you, Juan, uh, tell Juan, ask him about Dr. Oh, I already forgot. He's Dragon, Dragon Boy, Dragon, Mr. Dragon, Dr. Dragon. I don't know. Ricky it wasn't Dragon. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, was Ricky it? Ricky the Dragon, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, you tell, you tell him, you reply back to him that the greatest match at WrestleMania involved Ricky Dragon Steamboat 
and the Macho Man Randy Savage. That's what so, he said. He was yes. saying, he's like, this this will blow his mind if you tell him this. <laughs> he's absolutely that. Whoever sent you that message, Alicia, is a very smart wrestling fan. He has great taste. So if he, he listens great- to the show, whoever sent that message to Alicia, uh, you're 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 good in my book. But this is from uh, uh, Arash Markazi. The WWE announced that the first day ticket sales for WrestleMania 39 at SoFi Stadium, over 90,000 tickets were sold within the first 24 hours. Whoa. That's more than any event in the history of WWE. What's going to be the capacity then that day? I I mean, I I don't know what, I mean, Alicia is the season ticket holder for the Rams. So how many... How many? Uh, what? What does it say? How many does that stadium seat? Um, a. I wish I was a season <laughs> ticket holder, and um, that's a very good question, and I should know that. But it the place is huge. We were there. What does it look like? Like so, what? Maybe sixty-five, seventy. I mean, with the wrestling event, they're gonna add. Floor, they'll add. Okay, seventy. So they're gonna add seats on the on field, the floor, right? Yeah. So there'll be floors. So. Yeah, so probably 90,000 is capacity. So the first day is already sold out. There are three um, levels of suites, right? All the way around. So you could put a bunch of people in those. So, um, I mean, that's the power of wrestling. Look, I watched wrestling when I was a kid, all right? That's back in the 80s. For it to still be just as popular, if not more so now... I mean, say what you will about those guys. I mean, I know Ricochet became a fan of Alicia that night and that we saw him wrestle. So so that's that's enough wrestling talk. Now, I know everybody wants us to get back to Dodger talk. So, you know, we just had Evan Phillips on and we were talking about how a lot of people are voting for Evan Phillips to replace Craig Kimbrell, you know, because everybody's over Craig Kimbrell. They don't want Kimbrell back. Uh, Blake Trinan's coming back. So I, I think the Dodgers, like I tell everybody, calmate, calmate. I think yeah. they'll be okay. Now, if Blake Trinan comes back and he doesn't pitch well, then I think you could hit the full panic button. But <laughs> one of the other people that is struggling and got benched this week, and Alicia can now chime in on this, is Cody Bellinger. So mm-hmm. Cody Bellinger has, I, I can't recall the last time Dave Roberts publicly came out and said we're gonna give this guy a couple of days off to have him reset and everybody basically referred to it he's benching him without calling it a benching a benching so alicia do you think that roberts is throwing down the gauntlet basically telling bellinger if you don't start playing well you are not going to get playing time i mean that's what it appears that's the first impression that I got was Dave Roberts. And that's not really his style. Right. Exactly. Frustrated, I guess he is. Or I was going to ask you guys while we were here tonight together, does that come from upstairs or is that truly Dave Roberts where he's just, because I guess that what, what the, the, the story goes, Roberts did not appreciate the lazy at bat that there was an at-bat Cody had. Have you guys heard that version? I've heard him. You know what? I feel that he said that when they had, were in San Francisco earlier in the season when he called out the, the team for having bad at-bats. But 
I saw it on Twitter. There were a couple of at-bats that they referred to as they just weren't competitive on Bellinger's part, where he took some bad swings or he was swinging at pitches that weren't strikes. And so, okay, I know Babyface said this already. If Kimbrell keeps pitching like this, he's not going to pitch in the playoffs. If Bellinger keeps playing like this, does that mean we're not going to see Bellinger in the playoffs? I mean, we saw what Bellinger did in the playoffs last year. He was a completely different player in the playoffs. My biggest concern is I think Bellinger is your best defensive center fielder. I know Chris Taylor made an amazing catch uh, the other day in Milwaukee, okay? Chris Taylor is probably going to be the guy who's going to get the majority of the time in center field if Cody Bellinger is benched. Uh, I mean, I know Trace Thompson plays center field a lot, but I mean, what do you guys think? Do you, I mean, are they actually going to go through with this if Bellinger keeps, I mean, he's bordering over the Mendoza line now. So (laughs) if he falls under the Mendoza line, I mean, do you stop benching him? Um, I'm going to say that this might be like a last resort or like a, a different tactic because we're seeing Max Muncy come around, right? Like how funky yeah. is our Max Muncy getting, right? Like we right. love it. We love it. And we're cheering for, I say myself, my family, my close friends, we're cheering for Cody too. We want Cody to have a Cody season and we're not even asking for his MVP season. We're literally just, you know, be competitive. So I think, that this is a last resort tactic because what else can you do right they've they've nurtured him they've let him keep batting you know um so after benching what's next yeah right like gonna get sent down i mean he's cody bellinger and that golden glove is so i mean he's just so good you know yeah Um, i i mean at this point he's a defensive replacement you bring him in in the late innings to play defense like jesus said about craig kimbrell it's a big what if all right if bellinger does like the thing is is if bellinger doesn't come around you you have options there like i mentioned you can play chris taylor in center field and you can play you know trace thompson and don't forget don't forget we also have miguel in the lineup too so that's but right. Miguel but but can't play center field. And by the way, he makes up for uh, the bat half the time. So, so Alicia, we're getting a lot of uh, comments, a lot of feedback on your question of is <laughs> the uh, Joey Gallo thing a curse? Right. I mean, is the curse of Joey Gallo a real thing? And it seemed like a lot of people agree with you. They think it's a real thing. Yankees and, lost again uh, today. The Yankees just lost. Yep. <laughs> and if it wasn't for a a late inning grand slam they would have lost yesterday too i thought they were dead yesterday too you know that brings up a very interesting question that i want to ask you guys because you both got very happy to see the yankees lose i saw dodger fans being okay with losing to the brewers in this series because it got the brewers closer to that final wild card spot so at this point are you guys actually, I mean, is this a real thing where Dodger fans are rooting for losses if it means the show pods are out of the playoffs? Do we really care that much about show pods that we're rooting for the Brewers to win? Babyface, do you want to go first? Because I'm not. I don't, I don't. I just, I just don't think the Padres are going to make the playoffs. I mean, they're yeah. going to do that. They're going to do that on their own. 
I yeah, you know, I don't. You still got, don't a, you got a month and a half. You got a month and a half that they're gonna somehow mess it up. Plus, I, you know, people lose their minds when the Dodgers lose. I mean, I, I two losses. What was the last time? I'm not even gonna say it out loud because I do. I'm superstitious that way. <laughs> <laughs> but I I say this every show. Dodger fans, we're so spoiled. We don't remember the past. That's the way I'll, I'll phrase that. And we don't need to root for losses for the Padres to screw themselves. It's just, <laughs> that's the Padre way, you know? And that's not, I'm not even being mean. It's like, those are, it's a numbers response. So no, I'm not rooting for Dodger losses. Um, and, you know, I want the Yankees and the Dodgers in the World Series. That's, that's what I want. But it's still fun to watch the Yankees lose. And because their fans are just so mean and rude. So it's like, you know. I, I mean, look, baseball is a crazy thing, man. I mean, you, the Dodgers had just won 10 games in a row, and now they've lost three out of five. The Yankees had the best record in all of Major League Baseball, and then the curse of Joey Gallo happened, and now <laughs> they, can't, they can't win a game. It, it's, it's just crazy. I mean, baseball, it seems, is a game of streaks. We're getting closer now towards the end of the season where the playoffs are going to happen and you just never know what other crazy thing could happen. So uh, let's um, go ahead. I wanted to look up uh, Nick Torturo's tweet. <laughs> I haven't I haven't been able to get on Twitter, but, you know, what? he loses it when the, the Yankees lose. And I shouldn't generalize. Not all Yankees fans are mean and rude. No one come at me. Just a lot of my bad. The worst experiences I've ever had at ballparks have included or been dealing with Yankees fans. That's all I will say. But Nick Torturo's a homie. We should have him on. Absolutely. Yeah. And and his tweets, you all, if you all don't follow him and you you like entertaining tweets about the struggle of loving your baseball team so much, it breaks your heart. Follow Nick Torturo on Twitter. He loses his mind all in all caps. Every time they lose. (laughs) And friend, friend of the carne asada. We just had her on Jennifer, Jennifer Mercedes, La Chica Deportes. She's super nice. Yankee fan. Super nice. Yeah, so I shouldn't generalize. I'm just really hungry. <laughs> and one, one, one thing that we kind of just glossed over, we didn't even mention about the Padres since the last time we were on, what, what happened oh. to the Padres? What happened to a certain player that was there supposed was to be coming back? That, yeah. <laughs> Look, you, wait, man. You guys got something for my rash? I think I'm getting a rash over here. Wow. You guys, you guys got something? Look, if I... I, I I'm going to get ringworm with my haircut. <laughs> but they did get a ring out of it. So Wow. You right. know what? I, the, most, the most surprising thing to me out of that whole Tati story was how his teammates called him out. Like, yeah. I was not expecting that. I, I was not expecting for Clevenger, for them to go as hard as they did uh, on Tatis. And the, for Joe Musgrove. Joe Musgrove, of all people, he didn't say anything about the Astros cheating. And I know, here we go. Everyone's like, ah, it all goes back to the Astros. I just find it interesting that those guys, he sets a, there's a, there's a line, I guess, for Joe Musgrove where you can cheat to win a World Series, but a guy taking steroids, that, that's crossing the line. That's, that's, that's going beyond. So uh, I, that's what's been most surprising to me is the reaction. Go ahead, Alicia. 
I agree with you. I was just going to, I meant to do this, not this, but again, I'm hungry. Um, I agree with you that I was very surprised to see the reaction from his own teammates, especially because baseball, traditionally things are kept in the clubhouse, right? Like it's very hard to get those leaks and sources say and all that. Um, Have you noticed that people like Big Papi, David Ortiz, they're coming to the defense of, and I wonder if it's because those players have went after Tatis, the ones, you know, Musgrove that you uh, just went after. I mean, and, even his GM, Preller. Yeah. So what is that? Is it because he's, uh, first of all, he's very young. And I, as much as I, I feel, I don't like the cheating. I feel like if, if someone's going to do it, everyone will be able to do it. It's like one or the other with me. I, I don't care. Just everyone should have access or nobody. Secondly, the he's young and i always try to remember no one is perfect ball players are human too and we're not the worst thing we've ever done but to have your own teammates and gm and call you out like that i felt i felt bad i actually felt bad for tatis like you know well, you know what? it's funny i i saw someone and i i can't remember who it was and i and i wish i did so i could give him credit for it he f- said that he felt the treatment that Tatis was getting was very similar to the treatment that Puig got here in L.A. And it's not that because Puig cheated or anything, but how many times did Puig fuck up and you saw players getting frustrated with him and then they would start calling him out? And that's what it feels like with Tatis because there's the motorcycle. There's now this. Like, would it be better if Tatis would have just came out and said, look, guys, yeah. I took this stuff because I was trying to get healthy and get back on the field quicker. Like, yeah. would that be more acceptable than I don't know what was in this thing or his dad coming out and saying he got it from a haircut? I Look, it may be that he didn't know what was in it, right? But then my next question to him is, why were you taking it? Right. You know, because I'm sure, I mean, how many times have you taken something? Do you actually bother to read the label on things and to see what is actually in it? Like that to me is believable. But my next question is to why were you taking this? What were you using it for? Part of his job now, it it, it entails, it's required of you to pay attention to what you're taking. I, I cannot read my label, but guess what? I'm not being paid to you know not put things in my body right yeah. illegal banned substances that's it's not new this has been around and that's one of the things a-rod was saying when he was commenting on the tati situation like he was wishing or hoping i forget which word he used that the younger guys would learn from his mistakes so when you have alex rodriguez admitting that he f- up i mean i'm with you one Tatis was better off just apologizing, owning it, and then go away for a while, right? Yeah. Like it's almost like these guys irritate the older guys, the the media, the the guys that the guys that say things like play baseball the right way. I, that's yeah. you know what that to me signals is not the right way. No, no, no. Yeah, I know what you're saying. You know what I think it means, and I'm not going to say No, but (laughs) look, Alicia, I've heard that argument, too, and a lot of people have been really quick to shoot it down that, you know, I I don't want to say that it's the the way he's being treated is racist, but there is race involved in it is what some people are saying. 
And maybe if Tatis would have reacted differently, again, I, 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 the more I think about it, the Puig comparison, and I get it. It was one thing after another with Puig, and Puig was getting very, very frustrated. I think Puig had more of a of a case to defend himself because of his situation where he came from. I mean, this guy had no concept of money and then all of a sudden you give this guy not only more money that he's ever seen in his life but you give him freedom something that he never had in cuba right how are you supposed to deal with something if you don't know it now we hear puig in korea he wants to come back to the Dodgers. He wants to play. I mean, unfortunately, the team is stacked, Puig. I, as much as I would love, because I'm a sucker for a redemption story, right. I would love to see Puig come back for the Dodgers. But there's just no room for him, right? Now, with that, these, I, I, I don't, in that aspect, I don't think it's a, a fair comparison to Puig only because that these, your dad was a major leaguer, all right? Yeah. So you were exposed to the major leagues, okay? Yeah. You, uh, the, the sad thing is, is Major League Baseball desperately wanted to make you the face of this yeah. league. They bent over backwards. They handed you the keys to the kingdom. And look, one small mistake like this, and now it's going to follow you for the rest of your career. Even if he comes back next year and has a monster season, how many people are going to say, oh, it's because he's, he's juicing? Yeah, I know. I mean, he can't. We look at this comment from Linda. Oh, I loved Puig. That's my mom. It makes you wonder now that one weekend he had a Dodger Stadium when he hit like five, six home runs. Was, Wait, was, you, he, on, you, was he on the. Oh, that is when he hit yeah. it out of Dodger Stadium? No, remember he had I'm a weekend like, last well, season see, where he had like five or six home runs yeah. that weekend? But that's the thing now, right? Now that's in everybody's head. That he's juicing. So whatever oh. he does now, the rest you're of never his career. exactly the rest of his career. So it's like one small decision like this now changes the rest of your career. And you know, for that he has to take ownership. Uh, you know, I, so I don't. As much as people are hinting at the fact that th this is racist, and I think maybe that's what where Big Boppy is going towards. I, I don't think so, man. I, I think this is just something that he just needed to own up to it. Yeah. And what do they always say? The cover-up is worse than the actual crime that you committed. Right. If you just come up and own up to it, what can anybody say? Well, he owned up to it. He took it. All right, just take right. the suspension, right? Mm -hmm. But now that you're, you're making up these lies, that people are just going to be like, what else are you trying to cover up, man? Mm -hmm. I know, so. I know. And I, I completely forgot about his dad's career. I don't think he's helping. So two, that's a two problem. His, I don't think his dad is helping. That's what I mean by apologize, own it, and go away. <laughs> like, remember when, Manny, remember when Manny Ramirez got busted? Yeah. I don't recall any Dodger fan coming out there and defending him. I think everyone was just kind of like, oh, man, why did you do that? Right. Like these are guys that are so talented. I think it's the whole issue with Barry Bonds. You didn't have to do it, man. Why did you do it? You were already a Hall of Famer. But well, you said you, you said it yourself. Why? He wants to get healthy. He's been gone a long time. The the team, the, the MLB, the whole the whole league 
put so much on the success of Tatis. So he would have just said what you, you gave him the perfect apology, Juan. I wanted to get back. I, I want to play ball. Did I take a shortcut? Only because my heart wants to be, you know, on the field or with my team. There are ways he could have spun it. It's the truth, but to show his desperation to be playing, that's more believable than all these other excuses for the medicine. Well, yeah, you know? I mean, how many, I like regular guys that I know that go to the doctor get prescribed steroids to help them heal. I don't yeah. think there's any. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just saw our boy Sports Empire. He stands with Tatis. He stands with Tatis. Hey, Sports Empire, I I need to know, do you feel like Tatis is being persecuted? Because, like I said, look, if you got busted with it, just just own up to it, you know, and stuff like that. I'm very curious to see what you think about that. While we wait for Sports Empire's answer, let's uh, uh, do our little weekend review. Nobody won last week with our picks. Uh, I guess we were all feeling the Dodgers. We were all kind of confident because we had some six and ones and we had some fives and twos and the Dodgers went four and three. So uh, let's update the standings. So, so far for the year, I am still in first place. You're the hater, the Prince of Darkness, the guy who always picks against the Dodgers is in first place with seven. Alicia and Alonzo are in second with six. Babyface has four. And our listeners have two. So listeners, those of you watching on the live, send in your picks. The Dodgers were going to do six games. They got three against the Fighting Fish of Miami uh, over the weekend. And then the Cerveceros from Milwaukee come back next week for another three. So uh, we'll have to get Alonso's pick. So Alicia, ladies first. Um. So I'm sorry. So what is it? Four and Three, it's three and three. Three, three against uh, the Fighting Fish and then three against the Cerveceros. Okay, three. Um, I'm going to go four and two. All right. Because Dustin May's coming back, right, on Saturday? Is, he, is that still on? Yes, Dustin May is pitching on Saturday. And, and the Dodgers are going to go to a six-man rotation now. So Ryan Pepio is going to be making another star. And, and I'm so lucky that I get to go to that game and watch Ryan Pepio face Sandy Alcantara. <laughs> Don't at me. That's the one game the Dodgers are going to lose against the, the Fighting Fish. Because if yeah. they lose, if they get swept by the Don Mattingly's, I will probably just cry myself to sleep i i just i hate losing to don mattingly i absolutely do i just don't want to see it so i too am going four and two alicia so when you're there on sunday can you get a couple of minutes with with donnie oh yeah sure <laughs> I, I i mean we may get kicked get him, down and get, get our show we'll get our credential revoked because my first question is going to be hey man now that you can't do double switches what is your strategy in managing a ball game because that's that seems to be the only thing that Don Mangley knew how to do. So, Babyface, what are your picks? What what'd you say? We went. Uh, I went four and two. Four and two. Yeah, I think that's what uh, the consensus is going to be. Four and two. So you're going four and two too? No, just four and two. All right. Well, there we go, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. So Alicia, you and I will we're losing next week. Just I'm, I'm just letting you know. So Sports Empire is going three and three. Frank's going uh, four and two, and Simeon's going four and two. So, 
Thank you, Simeon. Our, our listeners, I, I, Sports Empire, I think you're looking good right now with, with that three and three. The Galley Fizzle, how you doing? You got any uh, predictions, the Galley Fizzle, if you're still with us? Okay, Linda's going five and one. And Linda's going five and one. Look at that. That's confidence right <laughs> now there. Now you know where I get it from, right? <laughs> Optimism. Positive there you go. Optimism. Thank you, Linda. All right. Before we wrap things up, is there anything you guys want to want to address before we say goodnight to everyone? Mm, I do agree about Dustin May having a lot of pressure on Saturday, but I think he, I mean I'm looking forward to it. If they, I, I mean, if they get five innings from Dustin May on Saturday, I think that is considered a win. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you get four. Uh, I, that's probably more than likely what they're going to go for is four innings from him. Uh, I, at this point, I think it's just about building him up and getting him stronger so he can get him some depth. As I mentioned to you guys before, you guys better start lighting the candles and hope that nobody else goes down on this starting staff because right right now that right now that is going to be my biggest concern is – are we going to have any healthy starting pitching by the time we get to the playoffs? Uh, because yeah. match, matching up against Scherzer and DeGrom, th- that's going to be tough. So uh, at that point, I, I'm very eager to see what Dustin May does and hope he gets uh, – I hope he looks good. And I'm very curious to see how much longer this Craig Kimbrell drama goes and <laughs> also how much longer they go with Cody Bellinger. Uh, because Dave Roberts, I think, has has put it out there that he's those guys. Not he, you know. It's funny. I feel like he defends Kimbrel much more than he defends Bellinger. So I'm curious to see who has the longer leash uh, for the rest of the season. What were you going to say, Alicia? But Bellinger has has needed defending a lot longer. Kimbrel's still new. So in terms of you know, defending, I think Dave Roberts is fed up <laughs> because he's been <laughs> defending his guys. And again, this is not Roberts' MO. He's not like this. He's not, he's a, he's a player's manager, you know, like he loves the guys. Like that's, that's what we are, are that's what we see at least and hear. So this is out of um, the norm for Dave Roberts. But again, I think he might, they might be this, a kind of a different tactic, a final tactic. And speaking of injuries, can we send some love and healing vibes and, and healing prayers to Dave Vasse, friend of the carne asada, uh, the sliding accident? Like, that looked brutal. So <laughs> so we, we we opened the show with that, Alicia. So I'm I want I want to get I want to get I want to get your take on that. <laughs> I, I feel bad. I, I'm dude, Dave Vasse is probably my favorite um, guy out there with the Dodgers, traveling with the Dodgers. And he was filling in for Kirsten, right? Yeah. Um, I think he's a good sport taking that slide. Did anybody anticipate this? Nope. And did he make the best out of it? Yes. Like he showed up to work with broken ribs and a cast and not even medicated. Like dude is the stud. Like, I, is he? I, is he? I mean, would we know the difference if he was medicated? Is, how is, is dare what, you? Is, is, is my question. Well, I think he was medicated yesterday after he got the cast. I think he was 
he was he was feeling pretty good. He did his job. Hey, he did his job, and it was all legal, so <laughs> it was prescribed. <laughs> I, I mean, that was the thing that dominated the whole. And by the way, Sports Empire. If if Kirsten was working there. I don't think she would have been going down that slide. I think the only person going down that slide was David Vasse. I, but, I, would. That's I mean, all story. over Twitter. That's all I saw was David Vasse. They were shirts they made already for day. Roto wear made those shirts. All Everything was there. But the thing is, is, so I showed it to my girl and I think she was laughing more at Joe Davis and Nomar's reaction. Like everyone is laughing at this guy and the guy is clearly in pain when you watch the video at the end you know that he's just like oh something's not right he's like i i want to know what kind of devil slide they build over there in milwake where a guy can break crack six ribs and and, and break his wrist in two different parts he, he has to stop if he doesn't stop he goes over the edge so it's, it's I, I think Vasse could get cast as Mr. Glass in another sequel to the M. Night Shyamalan movie. I mean, he must be made of bird bones. Because, I mean, I, you, no, look, baby, baby, baby face and I were just like, it looked like, you know, he, he just hit the path to have that much damage. I mean, how fast do you think he was going? You know what? They probably wax that slide. If anybody's seen National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, he, he pulled a Chevy Chase, you know, later, dudes. So, <laughs> I mean, good for him. He, I think he's handling it the best way possible. And Dave Essay is everywhere. And I know you guys talked about this, but putting up the chalk tape, like, that made my morning, like, hilarious. Just so. You know funny. what I said, Alicia? And it's like, <laughs> I, I don't think that there is any other team that has more chalk outlines than the Dodgers. Right? <laughs> I, we have AJ Pollock. Gavin Lux, Gavin Lux, now David Vasse. I, I mean, the DB. Exactly. The chalk outlines were, were just everywhere. So that's going to do it uh, for this week's episode. I want to thank everyone for joining us on the live. Uh, again, I want to remind everyone if you are not subscribed to the podcast, please go ahead and subscribe. Subscribe on your YouTube, our YouTube channel. You can catch up on past episodes, both on the podcast and on youtube we are also now on tune in i unfortunately i don't know when we're scheduled but you can listen to the show on the tune in app and that is through believe radio so for the princess of picolandia i'm so glad that she was able to join us in the end and we got her opinions on her becoming a wrestling fan so whenever you guys do see her at events make sure you talk wrestling with alicia because in the words of David Vasse, she is the Miss Elizabeth of our show. So make sure you, you do that. Babyface, what do you got to say? Do you have a last message you want to say to the people? Okay, there we go. So obviously he's a fan of the Attitude Era. And I'm going to leave you with like, this. Was that stuck in? <laughs> I was watching. I, I, I was watching the documentary too the other night. That's, that's what I, I said to Alicia. That's, so, yeah, he's sending me stuff. So I'm going to leave you with this sports empire. I'm going to do this for you because you are a, a great supporter of the show. He wants to hear the macho man one last time. So here we go. I am the tower of power too sweet to be sour. I'm funky like a monkey. Space is the place.
<laughs> so for the Bleed Lows podcast, which is brought to you by Ben Online, where the game starts. Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Please subscribe and leave a review to the Bleed Lows Podcast. The Bleed Lows Podcast is a Dodgers Beat production. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.